Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy, and we're here this morning with Nick of Trainer Plus. How's it going? Very good, thanks. So, Trainer Plus. What is it in two words or less? No, I'm just kidding. What is, what, is, uh, what is Trainer Plus? I always love those constraints to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fitness history and planning tool for gyms and trainers. Um, so it makes it really easy for them to capture all the relevant information from member or client um, and close the feedback loop between the trainer and the client. So we're seeing um, basically people creating new ways to deliver personal training. Cool. So is it like a, a web app, an app app? Like does the trainer go on to a web it's, app? Yeah, it's on a web and Mac mobile. Or PC? Okay. Yeah, so web web for the trainer in terms of uh, creating creating workout plans and programs and managing their clients, and then on mobile for both the trainer and the client um, to track. So that's kind of one of the unique things that we do. It's uh, it's designed for the trainer to work both in person and online with the client, um, whereas most of the apps out there that are for trainers are just about taking their business online or doing sort of that distance virtual training piece. Right. Yeah. And so what does the um, does the the trainer like create the routine in the app, in the app, whichever mechanism they do it, and then the client sees it in their client web app or app app? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the tr the trainer creates it on web, um, creates all that from from templates and uh, program and workout templates that they've created before. They customize it, assign it to the client, um, and then, like I said, both of them can see it on on the mobile app and then track it pretty easily. And what kind of tracking is it? Does it use any of the affordances of the mobile device like the accelerometer or is the user just like tapping I did 39 reps of yeah, chin-ups? Yeah. Right now, right now it's it's uh, it's just, you know, they're actually tracking clicking. We've we've reduced it down to one to one touch, okay. um, which is as, as low friction as as low in input friction as we can make it right now. We're, we are uh, we are uh, also looking at ways of reducing that integrating other other devices, um, especially in the fitness world now there's a big movement to to open up uh, the data and data sharing in fitness, especially um, like fitness equipment and devices and some of the hardware. Oh, interesting. Um, so that's like kind of actual physical equipment you're using will have data, fitness equipment. Like yeah. IoT yeah. type stuff. So yeah. You can actually yeah. Like it's funny because it's just, and it's just been really recently this has happened um, where the fitness world has, has now become a lot more open. Um, there's a move to standardize data in fitness the way that other, that really? other industries have so that it's easier to share and integrate devices like this. Hmm. Um, but the, the equipment manufacturers used to all have their own app and keep it in a closed silo right. and then realized, oh, this isn't doing us any good. So, right. so yeah, they're starting to open up now. So getting, getting that type of, getting that type of information straight from, straight from the devices themselves or straight from you know the the, the weight clips or, uh, or or the hooks or anything like that so how is it better than you know in my past and present actually my, my trainer is like here is a word doc or a PDF you know printed out yeah you know doodle some notes on it and then I kind of stick it on my face and I do my workout uh, how is this different why do how you, often was, did you return that workout card filled out to your trainer oh it wasn't meant to be filled out it's like do these reps oh, and okay. I'm like uh-huh okay so, I, so I did do the good life thing too which is like you know check off these boxes and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah 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 um, so I mean the, I mean the biggest difference between those cards obviously we're capturing all that, da that data digitally mm -hmm. so um, by having so much more data about what you're actually doing in the gym there's a lot more different ways that we can measure progress measure measure results and um, you know the, the the game the the game of fitness is all about uh, is the real game really should be about behavior change and causing exactly. that behavior change. And so, uh, is it like shaming? Is it basically like no? I it's the opposite do of the that. Thing uh, well, that it's 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 a little it's a little bit of that. The it's, trainer it's, gets a push it's, notification it's, it's, that I was well, exactly. I mean, that's that's a big part of it, right? I mean, the the value of what a trainer does. What we try to do is we took we take what the value of a trainer is and scale it up through technology. So, what the value there's a couple of values that a trainer brings to the table. Um, you know, one being the accountability piece, accountability and motivation. So, making sure you do what you're supposed to do and you know pushing you harder than you could probably push yourself um, but the second piece is applied knowledge they mm -hmm. know what you should do based off of the goals you've got and then how your body reacts to that stimulus how that plan needs to adapt over time to continue to get to those goals so that's the two values that we've scaled through through technology and if, if you look at if you look at 
I mean, again, the, the fitness game, uh, behavior change happens over time. It usually takes a, a long time to get there. Uh, you need those positive reinforcements and that accountability along the way. Most people aren't intrinsically motivated naturally to do it and don't necessarily have the knowledge to execute on their own. Uh, but the way that personal training is sold sort of today and has been in the past is prohibitively too expensive for most people. So by us scaling that value through the technology, we've created new ways to still deliver the value of a trainer on an everyday basis, uh, but at a you know different price point. That's cool. Now. So what you're saying is, is that like, you know, trainers can be like 60, 100, whatever, dollars an hour or a per session or whatever yep. you want to look at it. So you're saying that they can, uh, because of that feedback loop, you can actually interact with your trainer for a lot less for every workout that you do rather than paying like people might actually not go to see their trainer because it's like 100 bucks a thing and like I can't afford yeah, absolutely. $900 a yeah. month. For- yeah, I mean the average cost of training in uh, in Canada is about $75 an hour. There you in, go. The, in the states the average cost of training is about $56 an hour. Okay. Uh, it's really disparate over the different different regions. Mm. Uh, but the average wage of a trainer is 28.64. So right off the bat they're losing, you know, 49% of the revenues going out the door to the, the gyms. Gym. And usually gyms take about 60 to 65% of the revenue because that's an average that includes like independent huh. trainers. When you factor in the unbilled time because trainers don't get paid for the time in between clients they only get paid for the time they're working with clients you factor that in trainers make about $15.88 an hour right that makes sense so yeah, yeah. you know it's it's a really it's actually a really really hard industry it's one of the highest churning industries uh, in, in the world so yeah we've created ways of, of having that interaction happen that isn't confined to the one hour block um, is there a so, closed feedback loop like is it that the, the, the say I go work out you're my trainer yep and you're you know you're sitting on the couch eating potato chips while I'm training. Do you get a notification Absolutely. saying Rob tr- yep. trained? And yeah, stuff yeah. Like so we get a notification saying, "Hey, Rob just finished his workout. Um, can check it, look at it." Um, they, again, one of the big differentiators that we have is is you can see those results as the trainer open our web app, see the results from the last workout. We also take some feedback on uh, every exercise. So was this too hard, too easy, just right? Do you have any notes for the trainer? It's, it's right as the exercise finishes, so you get that context specific feedback mm-hmm. um, and feedback right at the end of the workout. So a trainer can look at that, say, "Okay, Rob said this was too hard. Obviously, he only." eight out of the 10 reps so maybe we need to drop the weight a little bit and modify the program right there and then update it and then mm. you'll get a notification when the when the update is through on your phone as well so that uh, just knowing that 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 feeling of knowing your trainer's going to see it knowing that there's that accountability yeah, there yeah, yeah, um, cool. people really feel like their trainer is omnipresent on on their on their mobile phone at all times so, so I have two questions then first one is um, does uh, uh, I guess, I guess the first question is, how has nobody done this before? This That's, seems... That was my question. Okay. Um, that was what I was blown away at when I worked in the fitness industry. And um, I've, been, I've just been so surprised at how few people have realized where exactly the pain and, and problem is in this industry. I mean, I was at URSA last month, which is the biggest, like the international fitness business trade show and conference. And I really expected there to be more people closer to our competitive space and was really surprised that, that there wasn't. Um, and I'm and and I've got my own I've got some theories on that. Um, uh, one, I mean, like I, I I I you know I know the fitness business. I've got a background in economics. I've lived this business my whole life and, and not at all levels of it. So understanding the pain from the fitness business standpoint, but then having taken time to actually understand how to build technology, how product development works, um, so how to how to build you know appropriate technology to solve those pains as well. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure there's as many there's as many people that have that that intersection of domain expertise and and, and product development knowledge. And so you see a lot of products out there that is trying to replace what the trainer does. You can tell that's a really not fitness you know focused person. It's it's maybe an engineer who's been in a gym saying my phone should tell me what I need right. to do. Trainer well, how can I make that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you know and then there's the process of of making some app like that. On the other hand, you have when you get 
fitness people designing the software, um, you get these systems that start out with one thing and then they say, oh, I need to add this, I need to add this, I need to add this, and all of a sudden it does eight things and not one of them well. Um, so, you know, we've kept our hyper focus on just that relationship and facilitating that relationship. I mean, we're not completely unique in that sense. There's a lot of, there are some other some other people that have done it, but um, I don't think they, ha I haven't seen anyone who's taken quite the Is there something like, I, I spend a lot of time in my career at least in the startup world doing like real estate related things and you always are like, well, oh, there's lots of homes exchanging hands, brokers, there's a million brokers, but the, you know, if you really look at the space, it's like, Brokers are sort of heter they seem homogeneous, but they're really heterogeneous. And the, you know, the, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have a PhD to be a real estate broker, especially in certain markets like New York, Toronto, yep. San Francisco. You show up, you've got a hat. If you're, if somebody gives empowers you to sell a house, yep. you sell the house. I'm not trying to disparage them, but what I'm saying is, is that um, it's a very heterogeneous group of people that you know. Uh, and to your point, the trainer, the trainer market, if the average hourly rate comes down to like 15 bucks an hour that gets you a certain kind of people and maybe they don't understand the value proposition that you're bringing. I'm speculating, is that, do you think that's part of it too? Which is just I, I like, think, I, think, I think the reality- is considered uh, low value, quote unquote? Um, in, in so, to some extent, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's the, it's a very, it's an unregulated industry, mm -hmm. you know, so there's a real, there's a real range of, of, of abilities and educations and experience with trainers. Mm -hmm. um, there's no doubt about that. It's a challenge, it's a challenge the industry has. So there's there's definitely a, a you know, a sense of, 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 of there's a devaluation there and it, to some extent. Um, low, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying Low. either one is fair. I'm just saying when you look at it, you might be like, ah, you know, it's it's bicycles. People who buy bicycles, they spend a lot of money on fitness. I'll focus on them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think that there's a, like on the on the on the professional side, there's a low bar to entry mm. for sure. Um, and and. Uh, and uh, on the other side, I think, you know, as I've learned uh, the hard way, both managing trainers and, and building tech for them, they're, they're, a tough, they're a tough group to, uh, to build tech for. And I think a lot of people have tried and, and realized- because they don't like- They're, they're sort not of that business savvy, they're not that tech savvy. Right. Um, they yeah. have a real route way of thinking about it. They've, they've always been taught to sell their time in one hour blocks. And, right. and it's, it's one of the biggest challenges we face, like breaking people from this mold of, of thinking in one hour blocks. So even when we give them their tool and say, look, now you can sell something like fitness pro monthly fitness programming as a service. So you only need to meet the person once or twice, make sure they've got the exercise technique down, right. and then you, the rest of the interaction can happen online. And then they look at it and go, okay, so if I'm gonna meet them twice, and then that's two hours, and then it's probably gonna take me 15 minutes each week, so there's three hours, okay, so I need to charge them for three hours of my time. And you're like, no, you don't. You don't have to think of it in, in in hour blocks anymore. You can think of it as a service that's outside of these blocks. Think of think you're of the, yourself. think of the, yes. Yeah. Think of scale. Think of the value you're delivering but, on the other end of so, it. Right. So just so uh, our listeners understand, like who, who pays for it, and is it a SaaS like monthly fee? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so the, tra the trainers and gyms are, are who pay us. Um, okay. So the trainers pay us a, a monthly fee to get a certain amount of active clients on on the platform. Um, we also give them an unlimited amount of uh, different other types of clients. Like you know, if somebody's been working with them, but they've but they've they've fallen off or they've stepped off, you can archive them, keep them there. Um, the other thing that made a big difference recently for us was adding a potential client status. Mm. So we realized, and I mean, we realized that, um, you know, for the trainer, the sale, the sales process starts the first time they talk to somebody when they do an, a, a consult or an assessment for somebody. So it's a CRM, it's yeah, a lead, in, it, it, Right, exactly. The... And so and so that's, that's the first lead they have as an assessment. Mm. Not everyone sells that assessment, well, not very many people sell that assessment the first time, but mm. because of the, the nature of the way the business 
business works, they put so much pressure on that first sale, or they're taught to, especially in the big box gym, mm -hmm. they scare people away from ever having a reassessment. Right. So, you know, what's I've actually, scary about that? What are they like? Well, the hard, like the hard you need to sign up sell, for like right? $900 of 10 training blocks. Oh, and... it's more than that. Usually the commitments, you know, if you look at the big box gyms, uh, there's, when I worked at a big box gym, the minimum amount of sessions I could sell was 48, and then it went up to 60. So if you take, right. take that time, $75 an hour, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at having, you have to have thousands of dollars to invest in this. Right. Right. That just to play, you know, just to get in there. So that's a, uh, so that's a real, you know, that, that's uh, that's, that's really tough for people to get engaged in that sense. So the, so the trainer pays a monthly fee yep. per head basically. Yeah. And the, the trainee, the the worker out or the gym yeah so they said the prices no nope. yeah they our apps free for the client absolutely free um, but the trainers the trainers and gyms they set their prices for the services they deliver through our platform so in that way our incentives are really well aligned with the trainers yes. they make more money the more clients they have on the platform we make more money the more clients they have on the platform so then the focus is on how we help them and how we help them manage their business but to your point do they not perceive so say you know I see my trainer once a week let's just say so that's yep. four times a month um, would you potentially decrease the number of times I see the like do they look at it as a threat that way which it, is like the, I'm the, not going to see my yeah we have gotten some pushback for that for sure yeah. and um, and I mean that's a matter of that's a, that's a that's definitely a mindset they've got again it's that okay. old way of thinking right like yeah. oh no I you know the reality is is everybody would be better if they saw a trainer six days a week right there's no question about of course, it right just people can't afford um, it people that, can't afford true. it right yeah. so so if you look at 2.4 percent of the population is what works with a trainer mm -hmm. you know there's the other 97.6 percent of the population that doesn't that's disengaged in that sense so we look at it as how you how you open up that other that other 97% and and if you can give somebody um, again this is something we've written quite a bit about and talked quite a bit about is is, is is turning that assessment into a real fitness assessment and planning and goal session if you can give people a little bit of the value of what you do right um, and have them have them, have them re-engage we'll have yeah. them re-engage you need those other touch points right mm -hmm. so a lot of people um, one of the big one of, again the big box gyms uh, one of the managers there told me that they sell 80% of the reassessments they do but they reassess less than 2% of the people they see. And that's oh, because, sure. you know, the, again, people are so scared off in that first one. There's so much, there's so much pressure on that, on that first one in, in a lot of cases. Now that's changing. People are, people are adapting. People are starting to use technology to deliver the service in, in, in different ways now um, and not be, you know, not be beholden to that, to that old model, that old way of thinking. But so uh, what there's definitely a threat there. Have you found that, like, uh, people on the platform, once they start using it, do, does the client see the trainer less? Like, what's the are there, are there patterns that have emerged with your with your customer base and their customers? Um, over, I mean, it's not how, how long you, we we should get back. I want to go back to the history of this, but yeah, how yeah. long have you? When did you guys start? Uh, we started a few years ago. We only started charging for the platform in September, so we've been sort of you know charging for about six seven months so now. Getting data, are you yeah. noticing any patterns about? Absolutely, yeah. What are you, what are you uh, seeing? The biggest pattern, well, one of the biggest patterns we're noting is that fitness programming is a service. So that 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 monthly fitness programming as an alternate to um, more regular training. Yeah. And so um, in that sense, again, you're you're now you're seeing the person once a month, and and you're at least seeing them and then they're being on their own. And and the neat thing about that is is you know, let's say you come to the, the end of the assessment, usually it's like, here's the package, okay, or here, go on your own. Right. Now we're seeing, and what I was, you know, we did, when I, when I ran gyms, was was giving people a few different options. You know, so here's what it would be like if you trained me more often, 
obviously the more we train together, the more likely they are to get there, the more help you're going to get. Um, or, or, you know, something trainers used to love to do, but didn't have a feasible way of doing it is, is let's front load the training where you need more help, you need more education. Then as you get better and more, you know, develop those skills and education on your own, we scale back less and less over time and develop maybe into this sort of programming relationship where you only need to see me once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the fitness programming as a service is what we see. But if you think about it, if the person's not ready to commit to a bigger package, you say, okay, here's the deal. I'll give your program customized to you you track it you know um the the service we're saying is if you pay for it you track and i'll have this oversight every day and i'll make changes so you still have the accountability to see the applied knowledge but you're kind of on your own doing it when we added this potential client status the idea was okay i'm just in an assessment with you you're not ready even for my oversight yet okay well here's a program you go track it on your own and let's touch base in four to six weeks because when we come back one of a couple of things is going to happen either they've tracked the program on their own therefore validating you know the value of a monthly fitness programming relationship as a minimum or most likely they haven't tracked it on their own and they've forgotten what an exercise is and they didn't know what this was and you know so then you've just really proven the value of of the training service itself I see. and so it's you know a- again giving those other touch points and having those people kind of check in cool. um it allows them to build the value of of, of what training is so which basically is, it's like a CRM. It, it is really truly a crm to keep engaged with your clients yep for, for, for the trainer yep and it's worth paying for it because you actually have found that people will actually say, oh crap, I do need help. It, it allows the trainer to re-engage with them at the, the right time. Yeah. And then people will pay for training sessions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, everyone, and that's the thing, everyone's, everyone needs a different degree of help. Um, yeah. But the way that the industry has worked forever is there's sort of, like I said, sort of a one-size-fits-all right. approach to it. And so this allows for more flexibility in that. And and as we've worked with more facilities, we've realized that there's even other user types that we need to address for them. So there is the person who is a, who does work out in the gym and who who just, you know, they're, they're actually capable of designing their own program and keeping themselves accountable and don't need any help from a trainer, maybe with the exception of saying like, hey, what do you think of this program? All right, cool, I'm, I'm good. Um, there's other people who wanna grab a program from that trainer and kind of do it on their own first. And you know, so there's, there's sort of degrees of engagement um, that, we're, that we're exploring and how we provide those easily for a gym. So this is not the first time you've done a, the startup thing. Um, we were talking just before the show. So you, this isn't even the first time I've done Trainer Plus. So. There you go. So, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. like just very quickly, so you, 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 you had a little business maybe, uh, I guess it's been 12 years ago. Um, uh, it was like a little production <coughs> type business and that didn't go anywhere, I think is what you told me before the show. Yeah. Any more meaningful. Did yeah, you- we, we broke even. Broke right, even, val- validated, validated that the need was there, but yeah, we were way, we were way ahead of, of where uh, where the where the technology was to facilitate it. It was a video sharing for sports teams mm-hmm. um, and athletes, and and the the quality of video that could be shared at that point in time wasn't good enough to be able to see the details that were needed, like numbers on jerseys and stuff like that. HD didn't. Exist um, yeah, yeah, no, no, <laughs> not online. So, um, so that was that was that was an interesting experience, and 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 you know, t- doing it with buddies out of school and stuff. Not exactly, you know, you learn your lessons of, of what did uh, you learn from teams. that. Um, just well, I learned a lot of things from that. Um, the biggest one was was just being you know being sort of smart about um, about who you do business with to start with and who your partners are. Um, not that they were. I mean, I was working with some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guys. They're PhD engineers. You know, one right. of them is at Stanford in aerospace engineering PhD. The other one is like engineering physics at Queens. So really brilliant, brilliant guys on their own, in their own right. But they weren't they weren't wired towards a startup. They weren't wired towards a sort of product development side of things. And it was really really back then I mean it's 2006 2007 it was it was you know things like lean startup didn't yeah, exist didn't exist. back yeah, then yeah, yeah. you know and that product development stuff where 
you know, at that point in time. So we didn't, we really didn't know, really didn't know what we were doing, building, building tech, had a good idea of how to bootstrap it. Mm -hmm. And we got really caught bogged down in the bootstrapping side of the business, um, which apparently is a lesson I haven't, I haven't learned all fully, fully as I've self-funded trainer plus as well. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, so I think, I think those are two, two of the bigger, bigger takeaways from that, um, you know, from that, from that whole experience. And then interestingly, I think uh, the, uh, we we've had Nima on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ask Sudo or Sudo. Uh, check that episode out. I guess it's about six months ago. Uh, you guys worked together on that startup uh, out of Toronto. So what 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 was your role in that? Uh, so at first I was an advisor on that. Came on with sort of a fitness the fitness business perspective and some sales and management experience. Um, and then as they uh, as they kind of got funding and started moving towards the accelerator, they brought me on uh, to run business development. So um, really interesting um, going through an accelerator program. Uh, I learned a lot really really fast about you know the product development side of things and and so the other side of the startup world that I didn't really know very well. Um, and I guess I mean. Uh, d- d- the nice thing about being in that role is it wasn't it wasn't my name it wasn't my my risk it wasn't my reputation on the line it was Nima's and and the, and the other co-founders and in that way so there was a lot to learn a ton to learn in that experience and going going through that for sure and then uh, uh, I mean to find out what happened to that uh, company go listen to that episode but um, you oh, did th- you guys talk about venue in that episode as we well? did talk about venue oh, yeah because yeah, I yeah. mean context for him and Sudo makes you know, he yeah. learned some lessons from that. Oh, too, he learned right? a ton from that. Yeah, he tr- he learned a ton from that, and he was, uh, yeah. I mean, talk he then about, moved to talk, San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, talk about well, yeah, Montreal first, right? With, yes. with Frank and Oak, and and I mean, and super, super, and, super yeah. talented guy, and uh, and and you know, was a really young team at the time. Um, so uh, he learned a lot from that, and I think that that's really, I think that's really helped him and a lot of the rest of the team from. In, and what did in, you? In so what forward. were the takeaways for you? Because then you're like. Did you then say the next thing for me is Trainer Plus? I actually left left venue right before it it, it ended, mm-hmm. um, or probably a month or so before before they wrapped it up. Maybe a couple months before they wrapped it up to do what for Trainer Plus for, Trainer for Plus. the first version of Trainer Plus. Okay. I actually left with a couple of the uh, couple of the other venue venue team as they were. Was the writing on the wall? Is that why the, the writing was definitely on the wall? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, without getting into too much, the writing was on the wall uh, and had been, and 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 um, and just you know, kind of this, this circumstance of of. Uh, of young founders, probably some wrong people in the wrong wrong places in in, in that company. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time we started sort of digging out what what the path forward looked like, it was pretty clear what was uh, what was going to happen. And was it you for you like okay, I've learned a lot through this startup adventure. I think I can do my own. Is that well? It was it I, I mean, I joined when I joined Venio. I had the idea for Trainer Plus, yeah. and and the idea with that was they were doing meal planning, and and you know eventually you had this this goal of having okay calories calories in on one side and calories out on the other side, and that and that's where kind of Trainer Plus came into came into fold. So the reason they brought me on and we, the the deal we had at first was, hey, I, I want to build this thing on the fitness on the fitness side, and I don't have the technical expertise or, or capacity to do it. Um, so as we kept going down that road, and you could see what was happening, and I mean, in also I guess in their defense, no one's done meal planning still to this day. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and it's still I still haven't seen anything close. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even even to what Venya was trying to do, I still haven't seen anything close to it. It's 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 a a problem that's you know a degree or two more complicated even than what I'm solving um, on the fitness on the fitness side of things. So eventually, I just kind of looked at you know one of the other one of the other uh, guys at the time in the company who had also joined who'd come from this fitness empowering the trainer kind of background or idea background, and we kind of looked at each other and said, look, we know this and we know this is viable. We know there's a market for it. 
this is what we want to do anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't seem like Venio is going to be the vehicle for us to get this accomplished and solve this problem. So let's step away. Let's go try and solve this problem. So you've actually learned something. You're like, there may be a market, like if Venio may have a market, maybe you can put the right I still types think, of people I, together. I still absolutely believe that, yeah. But you, you knew there was a market for Trainer Plus. Absolutely. I mean, so that, I, was, I, a, that, I, that I, was a learning, right? Yeah, like, you yeah. didn't have to discover it. You're like, no, it's there. And this well, is I, where I, the money I, changes. I've worked in the fitness industry for three and a half years validating this yeah, already and yeah. doing doing hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of customer interviews and through, through, the for, through the force of an assessment. I mean, right. at the end of every assessment I ever did, um, one, I was later in my fitness career when I was when I was the facility and operations manager, I designed all the assessment and follow-up and processes anyways. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things was giving people options at the end of the assessment. Okay, here's options A, B, and C. And of course, option D is you go on your own, we'll give you a program and let's check in in four to six weeks. You know, sound familiar? It's like we've built that into, into Trainer Plus. Mm -hmm. So, but at the end of every assessment, I'd ask people, okay, if you're not going to buy training, would you, would you, how much, you know, would you pay to get a program from that trainer there if you could just, you know, do it on your phone? And they'd, and they'd say, oh yeah, for sure. And I was surprised that the people that said yes to that, they weren't, they were the people that were already coming to the gym four or five times a week. They're the people oh. you never thought would buy training. Yeah. And they were the ones that valued it at $100, $150 a month, a service like that. So that was that was sort of really, really, you know, really interesting to learn at the time. So I'd, I'd done three years of customer validation and development already before I had joined Venio. So I knew this problem, I knew where the solution lied. And it just was clear that we, that, that as ambitious as the, as Venio was, it were nowhere close to getting to the fitness problem, and so that was where you know it was cleared. Let's step away. Let's let's solve the problem. We know we know how to solve. We know we know where it is. So what did you? What was the thing that you built? Uh, the, or what was the first version of Trainer Plus then? Um, so th that's actually that's a really good question. So the hypothesis we went out on was was okay. How fancy a spreadsheet do we need to give trainers before they'll start paying us? You know, if and we started, so we started on the web app, and we knew okay. Um, I saw it because I used to manage trainers, and and I like at the gym, I would have a folder of spreadsheets, and they were all okay. Here's here's a two day strength program. Here's a three day a week weight loss program, you know, or fat loss program. And I'd say to the trainers, look, all you need to do is go into the folder, take the template out that I've already written in there, modify it, or even just put their name on it. Mm -hmm. Like put their name on it and then write the weights in and print it. And then they feel like there's a there's real value in that, right? When when they when they when they come into the gym. So the first thing we set out to do was okay, how 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 fancy a spreadsheet do we need to give trainers before, you know, before they'll start paying us for it. So if we make it super, super easy to create on the website and then create it and like let's say they can print it as a starting point or at least like give them a spreadsheet that they can fill out so that we can do some calculations from uh, because at the time people were still using paper and pen and and you know and so okay could we could we speed this process up and add value there um, and so we learned really quickly that uh, that wasn't enough uh, trainers uh, trainers sort of uh, you know we developed the web app and we you know one feature at a time like exercise search we spent a lot of time on exercise search because that's was the most important thing for trainers and then workout building how could they really easily create these workout templates and then eventually got to programs you know okay now putting workouts together into programs how does that look how do the how do they think about that when they're when they're sort of building that stuff um, but it was really clear that unless there was a mobile app on the client side the trainers didn't feel there was enough value for them to sell a service through it it wasn't different enough from what they were doing already today until you just type it's just easier to print out a thing there's well no, yeah well even different. even then it's like okay well this is a really cool tool and then I can print it out but I can just grab a spreadsheet and I can fill it out in three minutes. Mm -hmm. So what you know, what extra value is there there? And, and so you say, okay, well, imagine you know, now imagine if it's on their, it's on the phone. Now you're present and now you're present here, and now they feel that accountability. So 
yeah, we, we learned going down that path that, okay, there needs to be a mobile app. We, we, we knew that. Like we, there was always, that was always the plan was to develop the mobile app on the other side of it. But, um, but it really, trainers really, really weren't willing to pay for something unless they had, they had something on the other end of it where it was mobile. They had, they felt that they could sell a new service for to sell that value of it. Um, and even then it took, it still was not, it was not that simple. There was other things that we needed. We had to, it was much more, we had to do much more on the mobile side um, and provide much, much more value um, than I than I originally thought we'd have to. Did you um, ever think, because you mentioned it before, and I, this was the question I had way at the beginning, which is, did you ever just think of char like charging the client? The client is already paying a trainer for a service. Mm -hmm. Could you be like, you know, when you come in person, it's um, $75, whatever the average is. Uh, Per month, you pay ten dollars a month or something, and you get the check-in and the feedback loops. You get yeah. the client to pay the free for the trainer, but cost for the client. Um, never, never thought of going that route. Um, it kind of went against our values in terms oh, yeah. of in terms of the incentive alignment with the, with the trainer themselves. Um, we you wanted to be cross purposes. They would feel like you're. They it's much more money if they just bring the. Yeah, in. I mean, there was already that that bit of a threat of them feeling like, okay, well, I don't want to be replaced, you know, by by an app and by that stuff. So you know, making sure that the app was free for their clients, it was easy for them to use, and then working with them on how they charge and how they develop services through it, it just, it, it made more sense for our value alignment of what we were trying to do. Emp empowering the trainer is the biggest thing we're trying to do. And were you bootstrapping it the whole way? Like we sell, yeah, absolutely. Self-funded so this whole, they still have self-funded the whole way. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what did you, like, it, you said that this is not the first iteration of Trainer Plus that you've yeah. got right now. What, what was the, what was the end of the first iteration? Like, what happened for you to say, mm, so wrong partner again, okay. um, and I mean it was kind of a necessity. Like we left, we left Fenio, you know, together and, and did that stuff. And it was uh, somebody who was not, um, who was really, really smart, but not, not did not have a lot of experience in product development. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, struggling to get a first prototype and a first version out, um, you know, that combination of just uh, just the reality of the reality of being, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a self-funded entrepreneur at the time, and you know, balancing balancing family and other things with with the co-founder at the time. Um, Things kind of came to it came to a head at, at one point in time with that, um, which was interesting because when we when we first left, um, I definitely felt like, hey, look, like I've got the domain expertise. We know this problem. Just put me, and I just kept saying to to, to my partner at the time, just give me a prototype and mm -hmm. put me in front of people, and I and I'll I'll be able to raise money with the run with this thing. And we never got the prototype out. There was never something that was functional enough to sort of sit and 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 you know and kind of run with at the time. So how, how do you know when to break? This is this is tough because. You know, uh, you see with a lot of teams, right? Yeah. Like the founder nonsense is, yeah. I think, a lot of the cause of a lot of either breakups or stopping of startup yep. or just friction within the startup because yep. they just don't see it. How do you know when is the time to break it up and when is the time for it to just be a fight? Um, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's a, that's a, that's a hard question. In retrospect, I knew a lot sooner than, than, than it, when it went down. Like it probably all, all in all took about 18 months to go through the process. Right. And I probably knew at, you know, at the, at, well, I knew pretty, pretty early on that there was a mismatch in terms of roles and who was doing what and, and all that other stuff as well. Um, and, and, and then, I mean, in my circumstance, it kind of, it kind of took its course, I guess is a good way of putting it. Um, we, there, we came to a head where it was kind of like, okay, I, we need something by this date because we, we've, you know, this is the date we have to have something by because mm -hmm. we have a trade show that we've got a booth at, we've got these people that are expect. So I, I, 
purposely put some some deadlines and some timelines in it that weren't delivered on. Mm-hmm. And so then that was really the beginning of the end. And I Got think it. that I think from there, um, you know, like I said, there was a lot of different uh, family and personal stuff that was happening at the time as well um, with my with my co-founder at the time. And 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 uh, and and you know, there was a, it was an obvious step away right. um, at the happen. It just took us a while to kind of work through the process of of uh, of, of coming around and 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 you know dealing with it. And and uh, so do you have another co-founder now with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, so how, how did you how did you vet them to like how do you you've been burnt? Yeah. Not not in a negative way. It's perfectly normal yep. to have be like I, 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 I actually, actually, actually still have a relationship with with the we still have a decent relationship with the first the first co-founder. Cool. It, took, it took a while, you know, you, you get through it and then you yeah. and then you're just realistic about everything and you're honest and, and you're trying yeah, to be honest each other and mature in the about it. And, you try not to make eye contact, but then you're like, Hey, how are the kids? The kids yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's something uh, so like how that. do you how do you the second time around when you're like, yep. Okay, now I need a technical co founder, do you do you immediately go for like these are the three traits I, I really had trouble with? I want to find the opposite of those. Like, how um, do you make sure you're getting into bed with somebody? Who yeah, is I mean, to, I, to some extent, I think uh, I think the second iteration of this one, um, you know, I just knew, and I'd learned this in the past, obviously with the first startup as well. You know, um, I'm I'm I personally am better off the more that's on my plate. You know, it's it's uh, that so that was part of it. Um, so finding somebody who. Had the technical chops on the background. The biggest thing for me was okay. Who's somebody who's actually put a lot of products out before? Who's who's, who's done this? Who knows what they're doing? Who knows how to manage a team? Um, and it just happened that I I at a founder institute event I ran into uh, a guy that I used to go to high school with. And our paths in the ten years since we'd been in high school, maybe ten years, something like that. Um, he had gone off and and been very successful and and developed a lot of different products in a lot of different ways. Um, he was director of IT for a Fortune 500 company, so he's managing you know a whole bunch of different teams and producing a whole bunch of different products at the same time. So, um, and it just happened that he just started working out and working with a trainer, so he understood the pain point pretty pretty well. Um, but I was very very cautious the second time around. Um, you know, brought on you know brought on him as uh, as. A, a, what is it was I don't think it was even a co-founder at at the start right mm-hmm. it was sort of like lone founder okay you're you're somebody who can at least lead the development side of things let's see where this goes um, brought on two more uh, senior developers at the time um, who were friends of mine and you know um, again like you know friends in business I've learned that <laughs> learned that lesson in the past but this was quite different again it was uh, it was it was two guys that understood this the problem really well um, one of them's one of my best friends I'd grown up with my you know my whole life and has actually gotten out of the software development game to start dog walking and dog sitting um, so he was you know there's that part of him that still wanted to Developed. So is it is, is that version two of uh, yeah. Trainer Plus basically yeah. where you had, like rebooted with a different so team? So re- rebooted with a different team and took and like I said took a totally different approach this time. Okay. It was sort of okay. I've got I've got a couple you know I've got three three senior experienced developers who all have full time jobs mm-hmm. and who all have you know what they do in the full time. So. Um, and for me, it was I. There's a lot I still need to learn about product development, product design, because those aren't skills that I have in my in my toolkit. I was a football coach, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and a personal trainer and a gym manager. Um, but uh, so that was where we decided, okay, let's let's take let's take our time with this. Let's 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 take let's take if we have to take a couple of months every feature. Let's let's do that. If we, it takes us three months, there's three months for exercise searches, three months for workout building. You know, things started sort of speeding up once we got those two those two basic pillars in place. But um, it was not about being in a rush. I also felt like, you know, I had gone out after Venio and and it started kicking those tires on the fundraising world and in the startup world. And without ever having produced anything in a year, you know, I, I felt like I had no credibility. Right. Um, it was 
probably a false perception given how how quickly I've seen other people have much bigger failure and turn it around. Right. Um, but for me, it was for me it was that, and and I'd seen I'd also seen the downfalls of raising money too early or chasing chasing money too early, getting and 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 what I saw a lot. I did see some startup founders, and you know, venue was one experience, but some other a lot of startup founders as well. Like as soon as they raise money too early and had that other pressure, of, that additional pressure of continue to grow that money and, and see that over time, um, it compromises it compromises the problem this problem solution mm. set. I mm. saw people were getting away from the problem they went to solve, just looking at chasing money. traction, just yeah. tra- chasing where the money's coming from. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that may also be why this particular problem hasn't been solved in fitness because you know once you see oh there's a little bit of money over here and you start kind of going down that going down that hole you you, you leave the problem itself. So I, I was determined to self fund this. I was determined that I'm not going to raise money. I want to build a business first before I ever even think about raising any money. Um, and there, I still have a lot to learn on that front as a, as a CEO and, as, and on the product Did side of things. See value in doing uh being in an uh, accelerator i mean the time extreme was one of very few yep it, it was a new thing in toronto that was like the 20 the uh, the tens the teens whatever yeah. you want to call it um now everyone and their mother has an accelerator yeah um do you see value in that for you for your company um have you, you haven't done one as far as i know i haven't haven't done one just just recently applied um you know to the big the big three yeah. um and 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 i'm and, and considering considering doing that um uh, there's, I see value in it now. I think going through the processes I did um, when when we came through that, and I watched a company basically accelerating the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that that was the reality of it is creating that artificial that artificial timeline, that artificial pressure, um, which. You know, it depends. What what you kind of learn from that is it depends on the trajectory of the company. If the trajectory isn't actually upwards when you start one of those things, um, you're going to accelerate into the you but know you're going to set the wrong thing? way. I mean, isn't shouldn't um, it be accelerated into the ground rather than you spending 23 years on a half-baked thing um, or, or the affordances of the structure will redirect it downwards when it shouldn't have been to your, your previous point yeah I mean I, I think that I think you need to I think you need to find the solution first I think you need to and, and, and to build a business first before you're ready to accelerate things right. so and, 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 and a actually, discovery engine yeah it's an yeah, acceler- yeah, literally yeah, an acceleration. yeah yeah and I think that that's 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 sort of you've seen the bar go up on and in, in people like like that venue was invested by Dave McClure and 500 startups mm-hmm. it, they don't invest like that anymore they don't just right. write $50,000 checks for everybody anymore right, right? right. you have like they don't even look at you unless you've got 10k MRR these days right um, which is actually one of the people I got an email from them yesterday they're just blatantly you know kind of said that right yeah, so yeah, yeah. so I think that they that the bar's gone up in that sense as well for those types of accelerators to avoid to avoid that 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 you know that into to some extent so um, I've come ar- I've definitely come around to that I think the experience the experience at, at Venio kind of soured me a little bit on it and and um, and I didn't if you look if even if you look at extreme startups I don't know how many of those companies actually are around still or were successful that went through those cohorts those first couple of cohorts mm-hmm. um, and even extreme accelerators isn't around anymore it's it's you know, evolved into into Highline and 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 what Marcus is doing with things there, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a totally taking different a, animal, totally different animal, okay. totally different approach to it as well. What's interesting though is that the group of people that went through, um, uh, there's this sort of layer of sort of startupy type people who are like maybe no one company. There's a few I think that have come out okay out of that, yep. but or at least la- lasted a bit longer. But that group of humans, like the, a lot of you guys, are. Still, like unbelievably you, Nima, talented. Kevin Clement, who, who started uh, Insta Radio, which is yeah. the, show, the, where the podcast started on yeah. that platform, uh, or Roar. Well, I guess, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Potvin was another guy who's in yeah, that cohort, like, and he's now he's he's gotten two or th- two or three businesses since then. Right, so there's like, like this ecosystem, yeah. this Toronto ecosystem of or Canadian ecosystem of of um, entrepreneurs that have been sort of like milling about, and some 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 are more successful than others at the moment, but give yeah. it time. So, how do you know? You know, 
Even, well, I think that's what Marcos is actually trying to show to you with Highline yeah, as well, yeah. is to show that the, that that even though the companies might not have succeeded, that that the that the that the value that the people, the individuals that went through it came away with, and and I think that that's been, that has been proven over time. Yeah, yeah. Is to yeah. see the value of that process, and and uh, and I mean, you know, I definitely long time ago learned to embrace failure in that sense, and and learn a lot from failure. So I think that I think that there's there's a lot there's a lot of value in in in, in that sense. So what's next for you guys? I mean, you, you've got you've 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 got your product where you're actually charging for it. Yep. Uh, so you've got some minimum traction, you, you're learning some stuff. Do you, what do you do? Are you just trying to like now onboard as many trainers as you nope. possibly can? Nope, we're not doing that do? at all. What are you trying um, to do? So the independent trainers, it's, it's great. It's been nice that they're great, organically growing kind of over time. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, at $29.95 US uh, is our is our first tier of package, which so ends up being about $40 Canadian per trainer. Okay. Um, so that revenue stream is growing and it's nice and we, we learn a lot from those people, but our, our focus is on facilities okay. um, for a few reasons. The bigger vision, the bigger vision that we always, that I kind of always set out for here was more about bridging the gap between fitness and healthcare. That was always the bigger long-term goal. Okay. Um, how we make the fitness plan and professional a relevant part of the circle of care. So, I mean, if you think about it, there's a few a few truisms that I, that people know. Um, you know, one is that fitness is the number one form of preventative healthcare. It's fitness is medicine, um, and and you know. Um, also that money spent on prevention saves money on treatment down the road. So, but there's a big gap there because uh, fitness is unregulated, it's profit driven, and there isn't a, a super high engagement with the professionals there. And if you look at healthcare, extended healthcare especially, uh, it's an evidence-based world. So that's where the gap lies. So the bigger picture has always been how do we empower the fitness people to generate new revenues, new profits, engage more people, but capture the data that's really relevant for the healthcare world. Mm -hmm. So that's where, so phase one was figuring out the individual relationship between trainer and client. Okay, how do we get this feedback loop happening? How do we get this in a way that's really adding value, that's creating new ways of engagement? So that's that's what we've learned from this first phase. In the last year, we've worked with a couple of facilities as partners of ours, um, and we've learned a lot about, okay, the next level of this is what? how do we add on top of our current platform to provide something that gyms, where 74% 74 of trainers work at gyms, um, you know, we know that that's that a much better distribution channel for us, and the the unit economics are a lot, lot better working with gyms than they are working that's with one trainer say, at I think time. you've answered my question but uh, you know building a product for gyms is not the same as building a product for individuals right not like, at all um, so it's yeah. a totally different product line. well it's, a, it's actually only a couple of features that we add on top yeah so we, we you know if you think about once now we've got the, the feedback loop going and we've got that 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 relationship I wouldn't say master we'll never have it mastered but but we do have I, I think I think we've got yeah and we, I mean the feedback last month in LA um, from a lot of fitness execs and fitness tech people was that that this was the nicest and easiest to use easiest to use tool they'd seen like this so that was very very validating okay we've got okay left step one we're there we know that there's still you know of course there's always like dozens of things you can yeah. add on and make it uh, make it better and make it more sticky and all those things but the next is how do we how do we scaffold on top of that and it's not it's it's actually relative I mean, should say relatively simple it's been a lot of learning to get to this point but um, so having giving a, giving a manager or an owner oversight on a group of trainers on a group of, of clients and members making sure that we can facilitate as I said early in the podcast those other types of members that aren't like direct training clients and they're not necessarily just getting a fitness program but there's these other types of members as well that want to engage on the platform um, aggregating data for that whole member base and that whole group so that the that the gym has that aggregated data that one they can use as marketing stats like hey this is how many tons of weight our, our, our gym lifted you know last week or something right, like that right, right, right. Um, but aggregating so you have these this grouping of it as well um, and uh, and and then uh, you know being able to easily share content between peer-to-peer -peer, trainer to trainer on a so creating 
verticals of, of, of shared content. Um, and that also allows us to not only access facilities, but things like certifying bodies who are always looking for value added services for, and that's where every single trainer has to have a certification to be, to be you know, uh, to be um, able to continue cool. to do so what they your, do. Your, your, your path was prove out that how you get that positive relationship between trainer and client. Yep. Next is prove out like, rather than now doing that to thousands of bazillions of small yep. one person businesses, you're like, no, 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 I'm gonna take like medium sized to large businesses, which are gyms and prove out that piece and figure out exactly what we need to do to be able to like make that part of the equation work. And once you do that, you just get a bunch of gyms, just get yep. a bunch of gyms bigger and bigger gyms, and then you've got a huge, huge data set rather than going to individual trainers along the way. Yeah, the well, yeah, and then, I mean, if you keep, and, and, and uh, I mean, I'm always focused on that bigger picture, yep. the, the healthcare bridge. Um, it's, you know, the healthcare world's only going, they're gonna work with gyms and, and organizations on that level. So, you know, we need to we need to address that that level. We need to get that that piece kind of, and that's what we're working on for the next sort of three to six months is that sort of our version two, which is for which is for organizations and, and facilities. Um, and through that, you know, that's, that's, where, that's where we start to, that's where we start to see, you know, the healthcare and the corporate wellness world get involved. Mm. Um, although uh, we're already we're already working on a lot of things in that realm. Um, one thing we did uh, just in the new year we did in about November is we uh, actually brought on a group of trainers ourselves and launched a service called FitnessPlans.ca. Um, so the idea with that was bring on a group of trainers. Um, I mean, I'll admit, part of it was just me being really impatient. You know, I wanted to see. I was going to our trainers and saying like, why aren't you going to businesses and selling this to HR reps? Like, mm. why aren't you going in and delivering assessments and planning sessions and trying to get personal training subsidized by the companies. Um, we talk to insurance companies, insurance companies say, yeah, that's 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 a great idea because, you know, yeah, why isn't the why isn't a personal trainer covered by extended benefits? Right. You know that if the personal trainer was covered, if everyone had a plan from a trainer, that would be much make, make much more sense to subsidize personal training than it does to a gym membership, which may or may not get used. And insurance companies were saying, yeah, yeah, everyone loved the idea. Okay, come back to us when you've got a white paper and a pilot. And be like, okay, well, you guys, why don't you? Like, isn't this? A, I mean, like, and, and we're pretty much out of time. But yeah. like, isn't that a distraction for you? I mean, it's it may be where you want to go, but mm -hmm. doing that is fun and cool and whatever. But shouldn't you be like trying now as gyms, not like launching the corporate wellness thing at the same time? Like, how? No, because you know? because the the so the, on the service side of things was interesting. As soon as we did it, um, and as soon as we said this is the service that is offered through through these trainers here, um, all of a sudden that opened up all these other things. So like right away, like League was interested in making us a provider on 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 their on their Platform. service, which we are. You know, our trainers are a provider there. Um, and there's another program called Prescription Get Active, where doctors are prescribing fitness, and mm. and then they're taking that prescription to now we're a provider on that. And so mm. what that does is that that validates the way that our software can be used by trainers and gyms to get to these other markets. Because for gyms to really want to use it, it's not enough, you know, there's the engagement pieces, the member pieces driving that revenue, but it's what other, you know, how do we, how does that gym expand and create new revenue sources for themselves? And so I, I agree about the distraction piece. And it was, you know, part of it was, uh, part of it was my, my co-founder who's, you know, who who's not, you know, not from the fitness world who kept, and we've always had this healthcare focus who said, well, if trainers aren't going to take it and run with it like this. Like, why don't, you know, let's 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 do run this little experiment. Let's bring in a group of little trainers. Let's see, you know, let's see if we can. And and this sort of how far down the road between you know being just a software for fitness and just being a a full service fitness company, a facilityless fitness company, do we need to go? And the in between would be sort of a marketplace like an Uber for personal training. So we ran that. You know, we're running that experiment and and you know as as a way of getting down that down that path. And it's actually opened up a lot of a lot of doors right away. Um, and we're able to. I'm able to bring somebody on who can kind of run run that business. 
as as its own as its own business. And what we learned from that business, we feed back into the software. Got it. And that allows us to allows us to get get there. Um, <laughs> it knew that the the show was coming to an end. So yeah, the phone yeah, 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 yeah. So, so 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 that so that's that's now passing that now that's been sort of validated and can pass that off. Like focus focus more on this on this version two and and on, cool. on getting down that path. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot on the go. Is what you're saying. There's a lot on the go. Yeah. So um, if 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 you're a trainer and you want to check it out, or if you're a, uh, a, a person who wants to be trained and you want to use the software and you want to push it on your trainer. Where do people go on the internet to find this? Uh, it's just trainerpl.us. So just trainer plus spelled out, but the, the dot the on the US side. The US. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. That's uh, that's where any trading go sign up. Anyone who wants to just go and sign up and build their own workouts and track them. I mean, that's free. That's oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's free. Uh, for trainers, they can earn their first two clients for free as well. Hmm. Um, so everyone can sign up for free and start and start using it. Um, but if do if people do want to uh, go on there, if they have a trainer, they can they can you know invite their trainer to train them on trainer plus, or if they want to request a trainer, they can request a trainer of us and we can try to hook them up with the appropriate trainer and you're, uh, you're what cities are you in uh toronto mm -hmm. uh toronto with the with the the, the service itself mm -hmm. um but obviously we can do we can do uh programming from a distance from from anywhere and uh we, and we do have the occasional you know somebody from from florida asks us for a trainer and then we've got you know some trainers in florida and, and see if we can if we can make that connection as well cool yeah great well well thanks very much for joining us everyone uh this if you want to check it out trainer.pull trainerpull.us yeah <laughs> trainer plus with a dot yeah uh check it out on the internet thank you very much for joining us so early in the morning uh <laughs> thanks to nick Kuhn for producing the show thank you to dwg for hosting us we really appreciate it and stay tuned next week for another mysterious new episode thanks for your time everybody thanks for listening